Hi there, Harry from Witch here. Our research has found that millions of families are skipping meals to survive the cost of living crisis. And our figures show that over 8 in 10 people in the UK are having to make adjustments to save money on food. With the price of essential products soaring, we believe that supermarkets have to step up to the plate to help us all. That's why we've launched the Affordable Food for All campaign, calling on the big supermarkets to take action and make a real difference to communities across the UK. If you agree and would like to join our campaign, then sign our petition at witch.co.uk slash affordable food and use the hashtag affordable food for all on social media. Thank you. Welcome to The Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. Right now, it's the growing gap between mortgage rates and savings rates that's really made people sit up and think, hang on a second, what is going on there? Why are borrowers feeling the pain, but savers aren't getting the benefit? How can the banks justify that? There are a lot of people in the industry that spend a lot of time considering what the appropriate balance between the money that they charge borrowers and the money that they reward savers should look like. Whether you're a first-time buyer, a home mover, or someone who's remortgaging, having had a mortgage for 20 years or so, undeniably, you're going to sadly face price hikes. This week on the podcast, we're going behind the headlines as we ask what the seemingly ever-increasing interest rates mean for your mortgage and what you should do if your mortgage deal is coming to an end. And on the other side of the coin, what the best savings rates are right now and why your savings might not be growing as fast as you'd expect. And with so, so much to cover on today's show, I'm very happy to say I'm joined by two witch experts this week, both podcast regulars, our property expert, Joe Wright, and the editor of Witch Money Magazine, Jenny Ross. Hello both. Welcome. Hi, Lucia. Hello. Well, shall we start then with at the end of June, the base rate rose more steeply than any of us expected, taking it from 4.5% to 5%. And it's the 13th rise in a row now, and it's all part of the Bank of England's plan to try and bring down inflation. But many of us will see our mortgage payments rise as a result. Not exactly what we need when the price of food and everything else is going up. Jenny, can you explain the thinking behind it? Yeah, as you say, Lucia, the backdrop to all of this is, as we're all too aware, inflation has been rocketing over the past 18 months or so. And this is a problem. And it's one that the Bank of England is responsible for dealing with. And how it does this is it uses the main tool in its arsenal, the base rate. That is its tool for controlling inflation. And the theory behind it is that by putting rates up, people's spending power is squeezed. That's because borrowing becomes more expensive while on the flip side, saving is more rewarding. And in turn, what all of that should do is help to cool prices and bring inflation back somewhere towards a reasonable level. The trouble is it's not quite playing out as the bank had probably expected or hoped initially, because inflation is proving much more stubborn than was first forecast, say, around 18 months ago. And that is why we're seeing interest rates go up again and again. And unfortunately, the general 
consensus from forecasts I've seen recently is that it's going to go up again before it goes back down. Really, we will need to brace for what is fast becoming a really different financial landscape to the one we've been used to in recent years. Now, you mentioned savings, and we'll talk about those a bit later in the show and how banks have come under fire for not raising rates enough. But if we stick with the borrowing side for now, the rising base rate means mortgages will take an even further hit. And earlier this week, we saw rates on a typical five-year mortgage deal go past 6%, which is really bringing us back to the figures we saw just after the mini-budget in September last year when they really shot up. Joe, are we seeing lenders increase rates across the board then? We certainly are, Lucia, and it's on a daily basis, really. And it's been happening for the last five weeks or so, just going up, just non-stop. And it's, as Jenny said, interest rates sort of seem to to be going in that direction. And and there's no signs that it's going to slow down for the time being. So average rates on a five-year fix now sort of stands around 6%. On a two-year fix, it's a bit higher. It's now 6.5%. But from where we were six weeks ago, the average was almost around 5%. So it's rocketed in such a short space of time. And lenders are pulling deals regularly and then sort of taking their all their mortgage products off the market and then reintroducing them all with hiked costs. If you just look at what's happened today on the day we record um, this podcast, Platform Bank have just reintroduced their whole range with increased fees. Leeds Building Society have hiked their deals. Santander have lifted theirs. So this is just a snapshot of what's going on on a daily basis. Banks just upping their rates, which, of course, is worrying news for whether you're a first-time buyer, a home mover, or someone who's remortgaging, having had a mortgage for 20 years or so, undeniably, you're going to sadly face price hikes. Exactly. You know, the reality is is that you could end up paying hundreds of pounds extra a month on your mortgage. And according to the Resolution Foundation, UK households coming to the end of a fixed rate mortgage deals in 2024 face paying £2,900 more a year on average. It's a really shocking figure. But, But if you're on a variable deal, you'll be seeing payments go up right now. And I feel like we should hear from our producer, Rob, now. Rob, do come on. Um, Our listeners might remember from our recent episodes on mortgages that you want to track a mortgage and you went for it when you bought your new place at the end of 2022. Can you tell us how your monthly payments have changed since then? Yeah, it was a really interesting decision at that point when we bought because I remember having a long conversation with our mortgage broker about whether we should go for, at the time, a fixed deal or whether we should go for a tracker mortgage, which was more competitive, was giving you the opportunity to, I suppose, get lower rates at that point. So the repayments were smaller at the time. But if we look at what's happened since then, for my finances, at the time that we started paying back our mortgage, so at the end of January, we were paying the base rate, which at that point was 3.5%. And then our tracker mortgage is basically the base rate plus 0.69%. So effectively paying 4.2% at that point. Where we're at now, of course, you know, we're paying a lot more than that. And as Jenny was mentioning earlier on, it looks like the base rate is going to keep increasing. So our mortgage repayments are going to get higher. Just to put that into, I suppose, actual number terms, when we started paying off our mortgage, we were paying just over a thousand pounds 
And now we're paying closer to 1,300. And I think before the end of the year, that could be close to kind of 1,400, 1,450 before the end of the year. That's a month, isn't it? That is a month, yeah. It's such a big increase. And what next then for you? Because I know you've been speaking to a mortgage broker. Would you consider jumping ship or are you going to stay on your tracker? How's that going to work for you? It's such a difficult decision and it is one that we're kind of grappling with at the moment. So having spoken to the broker, we kind of made the decision that maybe it would be good to just get onto any fixed term deal so that we have that security of knowing exactly how much we're going to be paying every month because for example our energy deal that we were on that we managed to carry over from the rental property that we were staying in that was a fixed term deal that ends in September so at the end of this year we currently have the financial situation where we might be paying for a really high mortgage because we're still on the tracker and we know we're going to be paying more for our energy bills so do we try and fix the mortgage so that we know exactly how much we'll be paying Or is it a short-term pain, long-term gain situation on that tracker mortgage where, yes, we will end up paying more, but for a shorter amount of time, and hopefully the base rate will come down? That's kind of where we're at right now. Lots of people still going through that method of thinking as well, with people kind of gambling on the base rate coming down next year. It's got to peak soon, they think. And if they lock into a fix, then they could potentially be paying a premium price compared to what the tracker may come down to next year. So yeah, you're not alone, Rob. People are still taking out trackers now, even though the the base rate is at 5% because people don't know when, but there is that anticipation that the base rate will drop and then the trackers will look a lot more appetising. And I suppose a really hard decision comes for people whose mortgage deal is coming to an end. So if you're on a fixed mortgage deal and it's coming to an end, you've got six months left, which usually means you can switch to a new deal. The big question is, and it's one that I had running through my head when I was in a similar position at the end of last year, just after the rate shot up after the mini budget, should you jump ship now or could you be better off waiting if the base rate and mortgage rates might come down in that six months time. Joe, what do people need to consider if they need to remortgage? How do they try and get the best deal? So anyone coming up to the end of their existing term should start thinking six months in advance what deal they want to refinance onto. So their existing lender should contact them six months in advance, tell them that you're going to be coming up to the end of your fix and they will likely offer a rate to them, which tends to be quite a competitive rate because they they want to keep you on board. But that's not to say that you should stick with your existing lender. It's definitely wise to shop around, have a look at what other providers are offering because in such a high interest environment, just a small difference in interest rates can make quite a big difference to your monthly bill. So anyone who needs to remortgage should start thinking with six months to go, right, I need to get my act together, try and find a deal. So speaking to a broker would be your best bet as they sort of have access to all the deals and will be on your side trying to find the best possible one to suit your circumstance. So you'll get a quote from your current lender, see if you're happy with that, shop around. And then it's kind of crucial at the moment to try and lock in a rate well in advance of your current deal expiring because you can lock in a rate and then that lender can keep that rate set aside for you. No matter what happens in the mortgage market, the interest rate may still go up, which is seeming like it will 
but you'll be safe and you'll have that rate locked in and that won't budge. And if potentially a better deal crops up in that six months, then you can also refinance onto that one before your new fixed kicks into gear. So yeah, remortgaging, just try and be on the ball with it. If you've got six months to go, start thinking ahead. And that's definitely a better option than leaving it too late. And then worse comes to worse, you'll be automatically put onto your lender's standard variable rate, which is known as an SVR, which is where your repayments will kick up into another gear. The average SVR at the moment is around 7.5%. So that's huge. So you could be going from a deal worth of 2% interest rate and you could suddenly be on 7.5%. So yeah, you want to try and avoid your SVR if you can. Such good advice there about locking in a deal in that kind of last six months. I really wish I'd taken that advice but when I was uh, switching last year because the week I ended up switching, I left it right until the very end of my deal. I actually remember seeing the mortgage rate. I was being offered jump up by over a full percent in just a few days, completely heartbreaking. Um, and I ended up just having to bite the bullet. But, you know, I fully understand what a hard position it is to be in. As we've heard, you know, it, it can raise your bill by hundreds of months. So, Joe, can we hear some of your advice then for anyone worrying about what's going to happen to their monthly bills or, or struggling to make their repayments? Yeah, thankfully, there are options out there for anyone who's struggling to meet their monthly bill. And they include potentially switching to interest only payments for a set amount of time or extending your mortgage term. So say if you're on a 25-year mortgage, if you extended it to a 30-year term, then that would bring your monthly bill down. Also, there is the option of a mortgage holiday, which would mean you just pay the interest bill for that month. All of these options, sadly, do come with their negatives because even though they help in the short term, in the long run, you're sort of just delaying paying back the inevitable. So you're pushing your bill up in the longer term. Lots of people currently are speaking to their lenders. Don't be embarrassed if you are struggling. Get on the phone, meet your provider in person and by regulation, they have to offer you support. 85% of mortgage lenders two weeks ago signed a new mortgage charter, which also increased their commitment to offer these support packages to their borrowers. So yeah, definitely, if you're struggling, there are options out there. But just bear in mind that later down the line, it means you'll be paying back more for this sort of temporary relief that you do take. Thanks, Joe. Really crucial advice there. Now, after a quick break, we'll move on to savings rates, hearing why your money might not be growing as fast as it should be. Hi there, it's producer Rob here. Now, maybe you're a new listener. Maybe you've been listening for ages. Well, either way, if you're finding this podcast useful, then you might also like to subscribe to Which Money. You'll get our monthly magazine packed with tips on how to make the most of your cash, from growing your savings and investments to avoiding rip-offs and scams. You'll also be able to call our experts on the Which Money helpline as often as you like to get answers to your money queries. Just visit which.co.uk forward slash join money. That's which.co.uk forward slash join money and sign up today. (laughs) 
So Jenny, increasing interest rates should mean a better rate of return on our savings. But as we've mentioned before on the show, savings rates don't tend to be as quick to rise as mortgage rates off the back of a base rate increase. Why is this? That is a very good question, Lucia. <laughs> and you are definitely not the only person asking that at the moment. It feels like it's being posted to banks on pretty much a, a daily basis right now. Because after all, there is no real reason why savers should be treated differently to borrowers in terms of when they see the impact of rate rises filter through. So as with mortgages, the base rate has a big influence on savings rates, um, although it's obviously more positive um, if you're a saver, so that when the base rate goes up, you see that reflected in higher savings rates and vice versa. And that is why you can get much better returns today than you could say a year ago, back when the base rate was still really low. So in early 2022, the best you could hope to get on an instant access account was 0.5%, whereas today you can get over 4%. So things have shifted pretty dramatically in a positive direction. Although that level of of increases has not been seen across the board. And it really does need to be pointed out that when you look at the top end of the table, those most competitive rates, the big high street banks are basically conspicuous by their absence. Ultimately, it's down to each individual bank to decide how they set their rates for mortgages and for savings. But in some cases, particularly with the high street banks, when you look at the gap between the two, like, you know, what they're charging borrowers versus what they're paying savers to keep their money, you can't help but feel that borrowers are feeling the pain of the base rate rises without savers necessarily getting the full benefit. And Jenny, criticism of the banks does seem to be growing stronger, doesn't it? With MPs accusing high street banks of failing in their social duty to promote saving and instead engaging in blatant profiteering by continuing to offer low savings rates. Jenny, what do you make of all this? Well, I don't think it's hard to see why they've come to that conclusion, to be honest. And and here at which we also have serious concerns about savers being shortchanged when you look at the rates, you know, that have been on offer over many, many months from the big banks. To be honest, um, high street banks not offering savers particularly competitive rates is not a recent trend. We recently analysed three years worth of savings rates and found that they really lag behind building societies and challenger banks throughout that entire period. But right now, it's the growing gap between mortgage rates and savings rates that's really made people sit up and think, hang on a second, what is going on there? Why are borrowers feeling the pain, but savers aren't getting the benefit? How can the banks justify that? There has been a flurry of savings rate increases from some of the bigger banks in the past few days, which is obviously very welcome and arguably quite a bit overdue. But there are still some examples of of strikingly low rates. So I checked this morning and one bank was still paying just 1% on an instant access account. So I think that suggests pretty strongly that more still does need to be done on their part. But also, you know, savers, we need to be hyper aware of the benefit of shopping around. Now, banks will be expected to explain these low rates this week with the meeting due to take place on Thursday, the day after we're recording this podcast. Here's Eric Leenders from UK Finance, the body who represent the high street banks with his thoughts on what's happening. When I look at 2% fixes on mortgages at about 5% and I look at um, two-year bonds at not 
much below that, actually. I think the difference or the margin between those products as a like-for-like comparison is pretty close, actually. I don't know it's necessarily helpful to compare the top of the market mortgage rate with the lowest priced savings rate and, and build an argument from there, because I don't think that's necessarily representative. I think there are a lot of people in the industry that spend a lot of time considering what the appropriate balance between the money that they charge borrowers and the money that they reward savers should look like. And obviously, everyone is facing cost of living challenges. So those aren't easy decisions to take. So Jenny, UK Finance there is suggesting the gap between mortgage rates and savings rates might not be as big as some are suggesting. What do you think about that? Hmm. Obviously, it's the job of of UK Finance to defend the bank's position. And I, I completely take the point that we need to be wary about comparing very specific examples, the top end of one market and the bottom of another, and that you've got to focus on on trends more generally. But again, I would come back to that example of the account paying 1%. If you're a customer with that bank, you are well within your rights to feel shortchanged and a bit hard done by and be wondering why that is the case when the base rate is at 5% and mortgage rates in some cases are much higher than that. And I think it is a particular concern for customers who are less likely to switch, those who are loyal to the high street banks because perhaps they feel less comfortable with the online-only providers and so they're not able to take advantage of those more competitive accounts elsewhere. So I think you can debate the extent to which this gap is a problem or the extent of that gap in, in the first place, but there's no denying that in some cases savings rates are well below where they should be. Absolutely. But there are going to be some changes coming in from the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, at the end of this month. Jenny, how might these help things? Yeah, that's right. So these rules are known as the consumer duty, and they actually represent a a really big shift in the way that regulation of the whole financial sector works. They're designed to force financial firms to put consumers at the heart of what they do. So they need to make sure that people get products and services that meet their needs and that those customers receive fair value. There's also the phrase good outcomes for customers, which sort of sits at the heart of these rules. And I appreciate that that can sound a bit woolly, a bit abstract, but you would hope to see that playing out in different ways, whether that's, you know, reduction in rip-off charges or clearer promotions or better customer service experiences. In the context of what we're talking about, those rules are going to apply across the board. It's, they're not specific to mortgage lenders or savings providers. But hopefully, what they'll mean is that the regulator will be able to take really prompt action where it thinks savers or borrowers aren't being treated in a way that delivers those good outcomes it wants to see. And in fact, the FCA has actually already warned of onerous interventions if it sees banks continue to drag their heels on savings rate increases. So it's clear that banks are also under scrutiny from that direction. And it'll be really interesting to see what comes out of their meeting this week. Definitely. I look forward to seeing what plays out there. And and to end then, Jenny, we don't want people to be shortchanged when it comes to their savings. So how can they make the most of their savings right now? What kind of rates are on offer? And are there any savings accounts that you'd actually recommend our listeners check out? First of all, we've got to acknowledge that obviously higher mortgage costs can make it more challenging to save. But with inflation as high as it is, if you do have money to put away, it is 
even more important than ever to make sure that that money is working as hard as it possibly can. So bear in mind that the top rates on all types of account at the moment are offered by smaller challenger banks or building societies. So to give you a couple of examples, you can get 4.35% on an easy access account with Family Building Society. Or if you can lock your money away for a year, you can get 6% with Al Ryan Bank. Now, those names might not be familiar to all of you listeners. In fact, if you scan, you know, the top half of the different tables for different types of accounts, maybe none of them will be household names. But that doesn't mean they're not to be trusted. Your deposits will be protected in exactly the same way as they will with a high street bank, thanks to the financial services compensation scheme. You might just have to deal with managing your money online rather than having the option to go into a branch because a lot of these competitive providers don't have a high street presence. So yeah, hopefully from what we've been saying over the course of this episode, you'll have got the message loud and clear that if your money is with one of the big banks, you are likely, very likely in fact, to be missing out on better returns. So it is time to get switching if you haven't already. A huge thank you to Joe and Jenny for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch our episodes as soon as they drop. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money Podcast was written by me, Lucia Ariano, produced by me and Rob Lilly, and edited by Eric Breer, with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins. What is happening to supermarket prices? Do own label brands taste good? What's the best supermarket? What's the worst? How do I spend less on my weekly shop? Are there ways I can shop smarter? Should I just be growing my own veg? How do I even grow veg? <sighs> Wine to pair with spag ball? When life gives you questions, get answers at witch.co.uk.